0: Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries. And today I'd like to continue in our Beauty of Grace series as we look at the next lesson. And the topic that we're going to consider today is the consent of grace. The consent of grace. We've seen In earlier lessons about the conduct of grace, the way we should live and how the Holy Spirit helps us to live that, today we're going to consider to understand the lifestyle of grace, that conduct that will bring glory to God and make us holy. We are going to look at how that's done through the power of the Holy Spirit and our cooperation with him to accomplish this as we also understand the consent of grace and how this employs the cooperation of grace that we spoke of earlier. The word consent means to give permission for something to happen. It's a granting of permission. It's voluntarily agreeing to the desires of another, to obey an established policy, regulation, or whatever, but it speaks of the voluntary means of that, the voluntary cooperation, the granting of permission, approving of and giving permission to. So from the understanding of the cooperation required for the victory and lifestyle of holiness to be accomplished, now we're going to discover the method or the way for us to step into that cooperation through our consent. Another way to say this is to yield to, to voluntarily give permission to, and voluntarily surrender. In our cooperation with the Holy Spirit, it demands that we voluntarily surrender, give permission to, and in accordance with the Holy Spirit's leading and work in us, to yield to, or to consent to the Holy Spirit and his work. We spoke about the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus versus that law of sin and death, the law of lift versus the law of gravity. We understood that the pilot has to engage with the law of lift or that plane's not going anywhere. It'll sit there forever. It's the same thing with our cooperation so that we can live the lifestyle that Jesus has called us to live and the one that glorifies him and brings us great blessings. And so we saw the cooperation. Now we have to understand that we must give consent to the Holy Spirit and his work. We must yield, give him permission and voluntarily surrender. The Bible concurs with this and calls it, in essence, to yield to or to surrender or to give up. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 27, it says this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world? And loses his own soul. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels. And then he will reward each according to his works. So here we see that Jesus calls for a full surrender. A full yielding. A full submission and consent. Giving him the reins of your life letting him be the rider on you, the horse or the donkey, so to speak, giving him the reins to control you. You know, the Bible talks about in one of the Psalms, it says not to be like the mule and like those who have no understanding, stubborn, that have to be yanked and pulled with bit and bridle. But there is a beauty in being submissive. There is a beauty in surrendering to the rider to the master, and giving him the reins of your life. And in the horse industry, in riding and racing and other forms of of equestrian life and work, there's what's called being neck reined. And a horse that is neck reined is in full surrender, in full yielding, in full submission to the rider on that horse. And the rider doesn't have to yank with bit and bridle and whip the horse or do any of those things because that rider and that horse have made such a relationship. And there's a full yielding and trust in the horse to the rider. And all the rider has to do, if a horse has been well trained and is a neck reined horse, all the rider has to do is lightly, lightly touch the side of that horse's neck with the reins, whether it be on the left side or on the right or however the rider wants the horse to go. He just lightly touches the horse and the horse knows that rider and the horse yields to that rider and the horse turns and goes exactly the way the master and the rider wants it to go. This is what Jesus is talking about, that kind of full yielding that we become neck reined sensitive to the spirit of the living God, submitting and surrendering our wants to his desires. He is worthy of it. We have a good master. That horse knows that he has a good master. He has a good rider and he can trust him. We've got a good master. We've got the best master, Jesus, one that we can love and serve willingly forever. Just like that pierced ear slave from way back in Exodus that it talks about, that Paul in the New Testament calls the doulos, using the Greek word doulos for bondservant or slave. In the Old Testament, if, if a slave, if a servant had a good master and he loved and trusted him and it was time for that master to let him go free, he would say, now I don't want to go anywhere. I love you, master. You're a good master. I don't want to go to anybody else's house. I don't want to serve anybody else. I want to serve you forever. And so in that case, they would take that person to the doorpost of the house and they would pierce his ear. And that identified him as a slave to that master, as a servant to that master, because that master was a good master, and he wanted to stay with him and love and serve him forever willingly. That's the kind of slaves. That's the kind of servants we are in the New Testament. Doulos. It's a voluntary surrender. It's a voluntary giving up and abandonment of our own desires, denying ourselves, consenting to him, trusting him to lead and provide for us because we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. It's a choice of our will. God is a gentleman. We must consent and give permission to enjoy the abundant and free life of victory and holiness that he has for us and to consistently live that lifestyle that brings him honor and brings us great blessing. So what does the scripture say about our yielding, our consent? Well, what we just read in Matthew chapter 16 speaks of denying ourselves. Ouch. We don't like to hear that word. We like to have it our way, like Burger King commercials used to say. But Jesus calls true disciples, those who will deny themselves, those who will yield to him and surrender all. Jesus calls us also to take up our cross. There's a glory and there's a beauty in suffering to honor him. And he also says that we must follow him, learn from him, follow his example, because he gave up his life for his father's will. He voluntarily laid his life down. We see that in John chapter 10. We see it confirmed also in Hebrews chapter 10, in Psalm chapter 40, and in Isaiah 53. Jesus will never ask us to do something that he himself either has not or will not do. He tells us, to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. He denied himself. He took up his cross and he followed what God said had to be done. And he did it willingly, voluntarily. In Romans chapter 6 through 8, like we spoke about in an earlier lesson, chapter 6 points out to us the Christian lifestyle to adopt and live. Chapter 7 proves that we cannot do it alone. And chapter 8 teaches us the source of our victory and our ability to do it is the Holy Spirit enabling us. We looked at that in the last couple of lessons where we saw how the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is the source that will supersede the law of sin and death in our lives. And we saw that it's through the power of the Holy Spirit and our cooperation with him. In Romans 6, it gives us more clarity though on the yielding and submission to God's will in understanding this consent that we're discussing. This chapter reveals to us that we either consent and yield to God or we consent and yield to sin. Remember the law of gravity versus the law of lift. If you do not engage in the law of lift, you will be subject to the law of gravity. The choice is ours to make. Without choosing to yield to God and cooperate with the Holy Spirit, we are slaves of sin, held by gravity, so to speak. We will either be slaves to sin and death, or we will be these bond slaves because we love and want to serve God, we'll be slaves to him. So it's a matter of our consent, our voluntary yielding and giving permission to, to God and to his desire to bring us to righteous living, the conduct of grace. I want to read some of Romans chapter 6 and then discuss it. Romans chapter 6 verse 1 through 11 says this, what shall we say then? He's just told us in Romans chapter 1 through 5 about justification by faith alone we are saved, we are justified, we are born again of the Spirit of the living God, and our names are written in the Lamb's book of life through faith in Jesus and his finished work alone, that it was enough to pay the penalty for all of our sins. So in Romans chapter 6, Paul moves to the very next thing that we need to understand, and it beckons and raises up this question that Paul must give us the answer to. So he starts out in verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin, continue to live slaves to sin, continue to live in the lifestyle of sin, that grace may abound? Certainly not. Absolutely not. No way. Period. Absolutely not. In the strongest Greek sense of the words he could have chosen to use. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in or live in, the lifestyle should be, newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God eternally, is what he's saying here. He lives to God. It will never end. There is eternal life. Praise be to God. Verse 11, likewise you also, Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. In other words, you're not under the law of gravity anymore. You're not under the bondage of the law. You're not under the rules and regulations. You're not under the law of sin and the power of sin anymore. But you are now under the power of grace, that law of lift that can supersede. Paul tells us here to reckon ourselves dead in like manner to Christ's death and resurrection, dead to sin and being alive and made brand new in the power of Jesus' resurrection that raises us straight up just like Jesus was raised, straight up. Paul tells us here, do not let, do not give permission to, do not yield, do not consent yourself to sin. Because if you do, it will reign over you as a harsh taskmaster. It will dominate you like the gravity law. It will keep you bound and it will keep you down. You have the choice now That you have been justified by faith alone because of chapters 1 through 5. Paul is saying here, you've got a choice now. Make the right choice. You don't have to live under the power of sin anymore. Choose life. Choose the righteousness of God. Choose to yield, to surrender, to give permission to God and His Holy Spirit who will help you to live the life of holiness In verse 13 here, he talks about don't present yourselves. Don't give your permission or yield yourselves to unholy and wrong living, to unrighteousness. Why? Because now you have the choice. It's up to you. You can consent and yield to God or you can consent and yield to sin. But he tells us, he says, do consent and yield to God. As alive again, you're resurrected. You're given brand new life. Walk in that newness of life now yield consent and offer your members, your body, your life, your limbs, your health, every part of you as instruments, as tools and vessels for God to use in his service and for you to enjoy the victory and freedom of living right in a manner that pleases him. We don't have to be dominated by sin anymore because we're not under that law. We're not dominated or under its influence anymore because now we are under the influence and the power of grace. We have available to us the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, like that law of lift that can supersede the law and the power of gravity. We must choose. Who will we yield and consent to? Who will we surrender to? Who will you surrender to? We need to understand our choice and its consequences. And in verse 18 through 19, in chapter 6, Paul tells us we are set free from the power of sin, from that law of sin and death. We voluntarily now and willingly now choose to be slaves of righteousness or slaves of sin. God wants us to be slaves of righteousness, to be bond slaves of Jesus, those willing slaves, because of the love we have for him. And we trust him. He's a good master. Choose to yield and consent to God's will, to God's Holy Spirit, and let him lead us and give us the power to live righteously. The consequences, Paul clears out for us here in chapter 6. If you yield to sin, you're going to have more sin and unrighteousness, and sin's end will be death and destruction. It's going to sap you. It's going to steal from you joy, peace, life. It's going to steal your health. It's going to steal your home. It's going to steal your job. It, it will steal. It will bring death and destruction to you in your soul, in your mind, whatever it can be. And ultimately, it will steal your destiny with God. It will steal your eternal hope of being in heaven with the Lord. If you yield to sin, it will bring death and destruction to your life. Even if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life and you yield to sin on a regular basis, you still are going to bring destruction upon yourself and even others who are close to you. It can ruin your home and your family. It can ruin your good name. It can ruin your testimony. It can ruin your ministry. Don't yield to sin. Yield to righteousness, to God's will. Submit and consent to that, to holy living victorious and right living. And the end, according to Paul in verse 22 here, is eternal life for you. Blessings and eternal life, not just with your name written in the Lamb's book of life. That's the greatest thing that causes you to rejoice. But there will be also great blessings now and in the age to come if you will yield yourself to righteousness. Paul gives us the summary of the consequences here in verse 23 of chapter 6. And he says, the wages of sin, what you've earned, what you've warranted, what you've sown into in sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. That gift supplied by the Holy Spirit for you to overcome. Yes, beloved friend, surrender to Jesus requires full consent and yielding but the rewards are worth it. As a matter of fact, they are out of this world in everlasting life and bliss with our Savior forever. May we understand, appreciate, and choose the consent of grace, full surrender, and yielding to the Lord who has redeemed us and saved us. I pray that this has been a blessing to you, and Lord willing, you can join us again for more lessons in our Beauty of Grace series. God bless you today. In Jesus' name, amen.